Welcome to day 342 of the year 2021. There are 23 days until the final day of the year. How many more years are left? Results will vary. How many more installments of Charlottesville Community Engagement will there be? The Virtual Magic 8-Ball reports, better not tell you now. In either case, this is the installment for December 8th, 2021, and this is the 290th edition of the show so far, and for all of them have been hosted by Sean Tubbs, which is me. On today's show, an update on Charlottesville's Public Housing Authority. There's still just a small trickle of new bills filed in the 2022 General Assembly. A master plan to prepare for increased flooding along Virginia's coast is released, and Albemarle's Natural Heritage Committee is briefed on climate action efforts. Let's begin today with a subscriber-supported shout-out for another community event. Filmmaker Lorenzo Dickerson has traced the 100-year history of the libraries in the Charlottesville area, including a time when black patrons were restricted from full privileges. The film Free and Open to the Public explores the history of library service from the Jim Crow era until now. If you missed the premiere in November, there's an online screening followed by a question-and-answer period with Dickerson this Thursday at 7 p.m. Register at the Jefferson Madison Regional Library website to participate in this free event that's being run with coordination from the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society. Visit jmrl.org now to sign up. Before the rest of the show, a quick update on COVID numbers, which continue to rise slightly as we move through the holiday season. The Virginia Department of Health reports another 2,850 new cases today, bringing the seven-day average for new cases to 2,374. The seven-day average for new positive test results is at 7.7% today, up from 7.2% on Friday. There are 79 new cases reported today in the Blue Ridge Health District, which has a percent positivity of 7.5%. Speaking of the Jefferson-Madison Regional Library, a pilot project with the Virginia Department of Health has now distributed 1,086 home COVID-19 tests. These are rapid antigen at-home tests, where people can use their smartphone to get results within 15 minutes. Visit the VDH's website to learn more about the Supporting Testing Access Through Community Collaboration program. The Commonwealth now has a plan in place to address sea rise and other hydrological issues caused by a changing global climate. Yesterday, outgoing Governor Ralph Northam was on hand in Hampton for the release of the Virginia Coastal Resilience Master Plan. Climate change, rising sea levels, sinking land, and storms that are more frequent and and more extreme are really causing increased problems in coastal communities. What we call nuisance flooding is now a regular occurrence. The master plan looks ahead as far as the year 2080 and concludes that the number of homes, roadways, and other pieces of infrastructure that will be exposed to extreme coastal flooding will drastically increase between now and then. The plan offers suggestions for what infrastructure is needed to withstand flooding as the geology of the coast changes in the presence of more water. The plan will be updated with additional data. This plan has some seriously alarming 
data. According to the science, over the next 60 years, there will be places in Virginia that will no longer be habitable or accessible. They'll be flooded temporarily or permanently. And while there are things we can do to protect our communities, the plan also shows us that in some places, we're going to have to focus on moving people and structures out of harm's way. Rear Admiral Ann Phillips coordinated the plan in her capacity as the Special Assistant to Governor Ralph Northam for Coastal Adaptation. She was one of the speakers at this year's Resilient Virginia Conference, and hers is one of several voices in a September 10, 2021 edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Go back and listen. The Coastal Resilience Master Plan website devoted to the plan contains a database that allows people to explore what these threats are as well as the mitigation projects that might be underway. Last week, the Albemarle Natural Heritage Committee got an update on the county's efforts to address climate change. The Natural Heritage Committee developed the county's Biodiversity Action Plan, which became part of the Comprehensive Plan in July of 2019. The Board of Supervisors adopted a climate action plan in October of 2020. Gabe Daly is Albemarle's Climate Protection Program Manager. He said there are a lot of areas of overlap between the two plans. We have also actions in, in the climate action plan around promoting conservation easements, um, around outreach and education, as well as incentives to the general public, um, as well as particularly to landowners. Other overlapping goals are to minimize fragmentation of land to preserve areas for wildlife, and that can also serve as carbon sinks. You know, a lot of the overlap here is between strategies for mitigation, um, in other words, reducing our impact on or our contribution to global climate change. Um, But the county is also uh, beginning a process to do climate resilience planning. Um, And so that's more uh, preparing our community to hopefully um, be resilient and and stay um, stay strong in the face of uh, some of the climate changes that we know are coming, um, kind of no matter how swiftly the world acts at this point. Daly specifically pointed out goal nine of the plan, which is to develop strategies for biodiversity conservation during climate change. Daly also briefed the Natural Heritage Committee on the county's 2018 greenhouse gas inventory. You can take a look at a story from September 10th for more information in a link in the newsletter. Daly told the committee that development of the inventory included a new tool that analyzed forest cover in Virginia. We found that, uh, somewhat to our surprise, uh, that there's actually a lot of carbon sequestration happening in trees and forests across the, the county. Uh, so there's there's an important takeaway there, um, which is the critical importance of maintaining forests and tree cover that we have in the county, which I think is also uh, something that's expressed as being important in multiple ways in the biodiversity action plan. To watch the rest of the conversation, take a full look at the meeting of the committee. I'll have information about Charlottesville's tree canopy in the next installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Before the break, a few more bills have been filed in advance of the next General Assembly session. Delegate Scott Wyatt, a Republican from Mechanicsville, has filed a bill requiring school principals to report potential criminal acts by students to law enforcement. 
Senator Chap Peterson, a Democrat from Fairfax, filed three bills. One would make Virginia's standard deduction for income taxes equal to the federal deduction. He also entered a bill to permit hunting on Sundays in Virginia, as well as a bill related to eminent domain. Delegate James Moorfield, a Republican from North Taswell, filed a bill to alter the portion of proceeds from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative that go to the Community Flood Preparedness Fund. The General Assembly convenes on January 12, 2022. That's the 12th day of next year. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and let's continue today with two Patreon-fueled shoutouts. The first comes from a longtime supporter who wants you to know, Today is a great day to spread good cheer. Reach out to an old friend, compliment a stranger, or pause for a moment of gratitude to savor a delight. And the second one comes from a more recent supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether it be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Seville Weekly, WINA, NBC29, CBS19, or some other place I have not mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about this community. Go learn about this place today. One last segment today. The Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority's Board of Commissioners will have a work session on Thursday night. They last met at a regular meeting on November 22nd and got a series of updates. One was on the CRHA budget from Mary Lou Hoffman, the agency's finance director. CRHA's fiscal year runs from April 1st to March 30th. We're um, $517,000 ahead of budget at this point. But that includes $644,000 worth of, for all intent and purposes, non-recurring money. That includes shortfall funding that the CRHA was awarded in each of the past two fiscal years. Hoffman said one piece of good news is that the CRHA's Paycheck Protection Program loan received near the beginning of the pandemic has been forgiven and will not need to be paid back. The number of public housing units has been temporarily reduced from 376 to 324 units due to the renovation of Crescent Halls, which is also affecting the way financial statements look. It basically is shifting some of the costs that we had budgeted for Crescent Halls to the other um, properties. So, and between now and the end of the year, we will see an effect from that. A piece of bad news is an unexpected $17,567 payment in October to resolve an issue with the Internal Revenue Service related to unpaid bills that were not known to CRHA staff until recently. That was a um, IRS tax penalty that I was previously totally unaware of. Um, It was assessed against CRHA for failing to timely file 1099s for the tax year of 2017. Hoffman said these 1099s were related to the payment of vouchers to landlords and other vendors, and they were eventually paid. I believe the minimum penalty was assessed, which is $50 per 1099. So it's around 340 
350 1099s. It's not only for our vendors, but most of the landlords have to get a rent 1099. Hoffman said part of the commution stemmed from CRHA having multiple mailing addresses, including a one-time stay in City Hall. The headquarters have moved around several times in recent years. After Hoffman's presentation, Executive Director John Sales put the current year's budget in a different light. Soon after the fiscal year began, there was a massive water leak at Crescent Halls that has affected the near term. Crescent Halls threw a curveball. The the changing of Crescent Halls, the redevelopment plan, uh, drastically changed revenues for the housing authority. Um, the plan included keeping re- keeping Crescent Halls at least partially filled, um, with adding voucher units, which provided an a, additional rental revenue for the housing authority. But the damage at Crescent Halls has meant moving all of the residents out during the renovation process. Those shortfall funds mentioned earlier have helped make up the difference for now. As of November 22nd, sales said tenants owed $92,000 in unpaid rent. That has attracted the notice of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Um, They ask us about it every other week. Um, We are currently working through the rent relief program to get funding and uh, asking other sources as well uh, to assist families that are delinquent. Brandon Collins is the new redevelopment coordinator for CRHA, and he gave an update on planning for the second phase of redevelopment at South 1st Street. According to the CRHA website, the plan is to redevelop 58 existing public housing units into 113 new townhouse units and apartments. Collins said the CRHA has filed an application to change the financing structure. The demo dispo application and mixed finance application have gone in. Um, It it took a lot of doing to figure out the mixed finance application, um, but what we've landed on uh, is... Uh, phase two will have 20 public housing units, 38 project-based vouchers, and 55 non-subsidized units. Collins said CRHA is looking to see how they can get the rent for those 55 units to be as low as possible. It appears that uh, we can get those down pretty low. A site plan has been submitted for the first phase of redevelopment at 6th Street. Building A uh, is going to be there kind of along Monticello and sort of wrapping around the the corner onto 6th Street um, will be four stories uh, with 50 homes. Uh, we'll have an elevator. Um, 